jump in, but I'm going to start with a disclaimer. Sermons are always good when I have a disclaimer, in case you know. Or if you don't know, there's a reason. So my disclaimer is this, is that there is a high possibility that I may offend you this morning. You have been warned. The exits are that way. So there you go. Stand up, turn around, and go backwards. You will go out the back door. So, there we go. There's my disclaimer. You're welcome. Y'all ready to have church today? Are y'all ready to hear the word of God? I almost couldn't sleep last night. I woke up this morning. I'm ready to go. I feel like, like I'm in a cannon. It's just like, light the fuse. Let's go. That, uh, that might be that I slept, have slept great this last week. And, uh, because of not having caffeine and many other things, my sleep has been great all but one night. And, uh, and that one wasn't even bad. So anyhow, so the focus of our, uh, of our Devo and really of this time in this series um, tells us this, that if we're going to possess everything that God has for us, is that it's not going to come uh, just from our abilities, our efforts, our understanding, our disciplines. No, it's going to come by learning to cooperate with God's spirit. And what God wants to do. And so this is an important aspect of our life that I believe many times, and I believe even more as we move closer and closer and closer to the eventual return of Christ. Whenever that is, I don't know. But this is what I do know, is that the world is not going to get better. Like it will continue to on this slippery slope that it is on. And no political thing is going to change this. But what I do know is that the Bible says as darkness increases, that God's presence and God's glory and God's grace will increase upon his people. And so the grace to be able to live the way that God has called me to live in the middle of a dark world is going to increase. So how do I get from where I am to some increase of God's grace and God's ability in my life? And so that is what I want to endeavor to do during these couple of weeks is I want to help you not just kind of figure out and just kind of know the church language. Well, I know I, I know the right things to say. I want you to know the right things to do. And they are different because knowing something doesn't matter anything. It's behavior that changes everything. And so, you know, as we're looking at these things, and so really that idea of like, well, how do I cooperate with the Holy Spirit is that we have to follow his lead. I don't consider myself a dancer of any type. I know we have some in here that can cut a rug like nobody's business. I do not fall into that. But I do know this about dance is that two people cannot lead. One has to lead and one has to follow. Because if you don't, you get some stepped on toes, you get tripped up, and it's a pretty bad experience. And it can be very frustrating at times, I remember one time me and Dara went on this cruise and there was this couple, they were like professional cruisers. I don't know. I mean, you'd have to see it to understand the husband and wife. We saw them multiple times a day. They obviously lived to be on the cruise boat and uh, they walked around and every time you'd see them, they're in a different outfit. I mean, dressed to the nines though. And anytime they would just stop in the middle of the lobby and they'd start dancing. Just, they didn't care who's around. They're the only people on the boat. Why do I know they're professionals? Because old boy had a fan behind his wife's head to keep her cool while they danced. The whole time. 
I was like, bro, y'all are like next level. No, but, but it's similar with the Holy Spirit is that we can't be in charge and in control and him. Why? Because if we are vying for control, we're going to get tripped up. And it's not going to be a good experience. Why? Because we're, we're in a game of like tug of war with him trying to say, hey, who's in charge here? And, and so we have to learn how to yield and to adjust to the nudges, to the impressions, to the voice of the Lord. And this requires our favorite word, submission. You're welcome. Submission. To the Lord, that the word submission literally means giving way. It means to surrender. It means to give up control. And I know some of you think you're not a control freak. We all are. But if we're going to learn how to be in step with the Spirit of God, we're going to have to learn, number one, how to recognize when he's talking, when he's leading us, when he's stirring us up. Sometimes it's not a, a word. Sometimes it's just like, man, I have this... The lack, I mean, the, the right verbiage isn't even adequate to explain it. But I just have something on the inside that tells me I need to do this. Give me, give, I'll give you an example of this. I was talking to a friend this week and he said, he, he kind of, he was kind of joking a little bit, but he was, we've known each other a long time. And he's like, man, guess what book of the Lord, or guess what book of the Bible the Lord led me to read? And I know him. And I said, well, let's narrow it down. Are we talking New Testament or Old Testament? And he goes, New Testament. And I said, Romans. And he said, how'd you know? And I said, because I know you. And I said, my second guess was Hebrews. And he was like, dang, you're right. But yet he felt the Lord leading him to read a certain book of the Bible. The Lord didn't speak to him. He just kind of had a a nudge, just kind of like, I feel like I need to go. And he's like, man, I didn't even get halfway through chapter one. The Lord started dealing with me about some stuff. That's a nudge of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're waiting for an answer and the Holy Spirit saying, I need some obedience. Let me lead you, guide you to where you need to be. You're like, well, I don't know the books of the Bible. I got a great tool for you. It's called Google. Google knows the Bible. If you don't, you you may get a piece of a scripture. Go type it in Google Bible and the words, you know, and hit enter. And that scripture is most likely going to pull up. I mean, the chances are really high. And so we have to learn how to give up control. And I know you may be like, oh, pastor, I'm not signing up for anything strange. I'm not doing anything uncomfortable. And I'm definitely not going to do anything weird. Like God loves me too much to make me do something weird. Well, that depends. We have no problem with dysfunction many times. And we're totally comfortable with dysfunction. And sometimes God may ask us to do something seemingly weird But we're looking at it from the place of dysfunction and he's looking at it from the place of health. Therefore, it is weird. Give you an example. You may be in a a service like this and and you feel the the urge and something on the inside of you like, you just need to raise your hand. You're like, why? I need to know. You don't need to know why. You need to be obedient. You need to lift up your voice and begin to worship God. I don't feel like it. I don't think God asked you, hey, do you feel like worshiping today? The Holy Spirit will nudge you. Why? Because there's, there's, there's blessing on the other side of obedience if we'll take the step. You're like, oh, but this is weird. Really? Is this really that weird? To Because, I, I mean, you're the same dude at the game going, whoa. But this is weird? I'm getting ahead of myself. 
So these are some of the things that I hear. It's like, well, you know, that's just not my personality. No, that's not who you've created yourself to be. Because at your core, you are a worshiper. As a matter of fact, you worship. It's not a question of if you worship, it's what? You will worship something. It could be money, success. It could be a lot of things. It could be status. It could be a team. It could be a whatever. It could be reputation. It could be lots of different things that you're pursuing. And that is the thing that you worship for. How do you know what you worship? What do you sacrifice for? That'll tell you real quick. Do you serve money? What do you sacrifice to get it? I mean, these are the things that we have to look at. And so we can say, well, you know, it's just not my personality. Well, you know, I just don't think that church is a place to be acting like that. People lifting their voices and, you know, you got so-and-so up here jumping around and they're praising God and doing that. That's just out of, that's just too much. Well, that depends. Have you ever tried it? Like, I'd feel foolish. How many other things have you done and you felt foolish doing, but yet you didn't mind doing it? Oh, I just got caught up in the moment. You ever got caught up in a moment at church? You're like, never. (laughs) Oh, God would never make me uncomfortable. Pastor, I'm too dignified for that. I'm too put together for that. I would never lift my voice. I I would never. But what if I told you on the other side of your obedience, there was the breakthrough that you've been praying for for eight days and you're waiting on it. God said, I'm waiting on your obedience. You're not waiting on me. So many times we we put the the burden of our breakthrough saying, God, if you, God, if you, God, I'm going to seek you, God, I'm going to pray, God, I'm going to do these things. And he said, I've already told you what to do. You, I've, I've already answered. You're waiting for an answer that I've already given you. That breakthrough, that, that, that thing that you know, we talked about last week, that area of my life that I just can't get victory over and it just keeps dominating me and I just keep falling and I keep messing up and, and all of these things, your victory is on the other side of your obedience. And sometimes God is going to purposely ask you to do something that your mind's going to go, that's stupid. And God's saying, Hey, you don't have to understand it, but you you can be healed and you can be whole and you can be set free and you can be healed on the other side of your obedience. So let me ask you a question. I told you I'd offend you, so here you go. Another warning. Two disclaimers in one sermon. I'm being nice. I want you to rewind the video in your mind. To before Jesus, when you were living in the world, when you were living the way that everything that you wanted to do and doing all those things, did it bother you back then to act a little sideways, get a little messy at times, to be a little trivial, a little questionable? No, it didn't, but I had some help. To loosen up. You did. But now we want to come to Jesus and we got to be, you know. Oh, I got to look right. 
But yet on the inside, you're dying. But you look like a good Christian. You look like you got it all figured out. You look like all the boxes are checked and everything's good until they're not. Why? Because that's the type of Christianity where, oh, I'm just trying to be better. I'm just trying to do better. Okay, why don't you stop trying and why don't you start submitting? Why? Because there's power on the other side of our obedience too. Not just the answer. There's ability. There's grace on the other side of my obedience. And some of you, if the Lord gave you an instruction, you would just say, nope, there's no, ain't no way I'm doing that. What if I told you that the moment that you stepped into obedience, that there would be more grace that came into your life, the power of God would go into action in your life. What? As soon as you obey. You'd be like, I'll try it. So try it. Like walk in obedience what the Lord wants you to do. So now I know that none of you in this room are about to understand the point that I'm about to make. But you might have friends and family that may come to mind in the next few minutes. So I'm going to ask you not to judge them. And for you honest ones in the room, don't, don't judge yourself too hard either. But what comes to mind when I say the phrase under the influence? I need some feedback. So alcohol, drugs, food, under the influence, right? There's a reason why I called this series under the influence. So I got a little illustration today and I didn't do the illustration that I'd planned on doing because quite frankly, I thought you might run me out of the church. We're going to pretend something today. This is hand sanitizer. (laughs) What I wanted was a bottle this big of vodka. Now, technically, this is still alcohol. So I guess it's not too far-fetched. Do not drink hand sanitizer. But it's funny how this clear liquid, if this were the actual thing that I thought about getting, and I sat all night thinking about it, am I going to go buy this? Hmm. And I thought, they ain't ready. They ain't ready for that kind of, that level of some honesty and some transparency. So we just said, when we talk about under the influence, that alcohol comes to mind. Now you can call this many things. You can call it liquor. You can call it booze. You can call it granny sipping sauce. I don't care what you call it. I know some of y'all didn't have grannies like that, but like I don't know what that was that granny was always sipping on. I'm going to leave that in your family. (laughs) So what I know, though, and again, we're going to pretend that this is vodka. You may not have used your creative mind. It's time to rev that engine back up for a minute. If this were vodka and you consumed enough of it, your personality would change. 
your inhibitions would lift. As a matter of fact, you wouldn't chug this for sure. Because you'd probably start puking your guts out. They give this in small glasses or shot glasses. Why? Because you can't drink too much at once. And yet many people think nothing about drinking something like this and it changes their personality. They don't think twice about it. Oh, well, you know, I was just buzzed, man. I I just, I didn't have a lot. I just had a little bit. Well, that's funny because your voice got louder. And all of a sudden you started saying stuff that you wouldn't normally say. You, you You became more outward. Like your expression became bigger. And all of a sudden my personality begins to change because I got under the influence of something that I, that I decided, like I made the choice, pour me a glass. Thank you, Mr. Bartender. And I make the choice to drink it. So now I'm putting myself under the influence of a chemical that affects how I think, that affects how I act, that even affects the way that I walk. You've probably seen the videos online of, you know, those guys at the DUIs, right? And they got the line that they're walking. My favorite one is the guy who's like, you know, he's out there like trying to do this. And he, he does that and he falls off. He goes, oh, officer, I'm sorry, I'm drunk. <laughs> it affects how you see things. It affects what you remember sometimes. It affects the way you talk, the way you act. It affects all of these things about our life. Alcohol makes people get rowdy. I've been to some football games. They're pretty in order at the first quarter. By the fourth quarter, whoo! But yet, we accept that behavior. Oh, they, they just had too much to drink. But we excuse that behavior. But you get in church and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we can't excuse that. That's foolish. Really? We're going to use that excuse that it's okay for this to have more of an influence over us than the spirit of God. But that's acceptable. But God moving is not. See, we can get under the influence of a lot of things. I mean, look, I'll give you another example. This has nothing to do with this one. If I've already offended you, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. I love you, but, and I mean that sincerely. I genuinely do. I don't want to make light of that. But I need you to understand that even if this is you, and you may be here, and this is part of your life, is that there is a God that wants to deliver you. Because this doesn't have to control you. There's a power of God, not just God who's afar off in the stars somewhere. There's a God who has power and ability for you. And he wants to deliver you. But let me give you another example. I've seen some teenage girls lose their minds over some boy band. Crying. We make fun of it like, he touched me. I'm never washing my clothes again. (laughs) Now that's straight up foolishness. It's a boy that knows how to shake his rear end and he can sing a little bit. 
got some junky, that's a nice word, dance moves that are horrible. But, oh, they're, oh, they're so cute. Like, ooh, girls losing their minds over some musician. You go to a concert. You jump around. You got your hands. Everybody put your hands in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all like, oh. You don't, like, what's up? Let's dance. Where's that in church? (laughs) I'm getting nowhere in my notes. That's right. So let me pick on another one. I've seen some really reserved people going crazy for some dudes running around in tights chasing a piece of leather. But that's okay because they're my team. Let me remind you, you're supposed to be team Jesus too. So you shouldn't do for your football squad what you wouldn't do for Jesus. And if there's an inhibition in you, it might be the enemy trying to get the upper hand saying, Oh, come over here and worship this team. But don't worry about Jesus. Maybe that's a tactic of the enemy who's saying, I'm going to keep you bound. You just keep loving that team. Don't you worry about what they're doing at the church. See, when we step into the presence of Jesus, could it be that we might respond to his influence? Let me say it in other words. When we step into the presence of Jesus, shouldn't we respond to his presence? See, this is what we're talking about over these few days. I just want to let you know, I ain't even read a scripture yet. Just See, I believe that maybe we would actually act different and walk different and talk different. And Lord forbid that we might get a little bit loud and rowdy. Go and read the book of Acts, chapter 2. Nine o'clock in the morning. What happened? The Bible says the Holy Spirit descended upon them and they came stumbling out of the upper room and everybody's like, these dudes is drunk. They've had too much for this. And they said, hey, fellas, it's nine o'clock in the morning. It's way too early for that. He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel that said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And something was going to happen when he poured out his spirit, by the way. So it wasn't just like, oh, bless me, take care of me. He says, no, I'm going to pour out. But there's an assignment that comes with the pouring out. See, what, what happens, and I believe in church, is that we kind of, we get too sanctified. We like too saved. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but we can get too saved. What does that mean? I forget some stuff. The past becomes attractive when we forget some stuff. The children of Israel said it this way, man, wasn't it better in Egypt? What is wrong with you? Like... Oh, but we got three million. You were slaves in a foreign land that they had stripped you of every bit of your cultural identity. Oh, but it was better. They at least fed me. Oh, but I'm out here in this wilderness. Moses, take us back. It was better. Really? Because God's dropping bread and manna on the earth every morning when you wake up. There's fresh bread for you. 
And it sustains them. And they're like, we're tired of eating this bread. We want some meat. And God says, you want quail? Stacked it up three and a half foot deep. Said, eat all the quail you can. And it says that they gorged themselves to the point it was coming out of their nose. I don't know what point you have to eat so much that it's coming out of your nose. But holy cow. Oh, but it was better in Egypt. See, I believe something happens when we really comprehend and have a full picture of what Jesus has done for me. Like, oh, well, that that person worships more than me. Maybe it's because they have more of an understanding of what God has done for them. And I don't mean that as an accusation against you. What I'm saying is that you need to come to a better understanding and a full picture of what Christ has accomplished for you in your salvation. Why? Because out of that understanding comes great worship. Like, I don't know if I believe that. First scripture. For you scripturites, you can be happy now. Luke chapter 7. I just made up a word. Starting at verse 44. I told you I was ready to go this morning. So, let me give you the backstory. Jesus is invited for dinner at a Pharisee's house. He comes in, they're eating, this lady comes in. The Bible doesn't say that she makes a scene necessarily, but she made a scene. And so I won't go through it for the sake of time, but it says that Simon had a thought and said, if Jesus was really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's immoral. She's unclean. We know from other scriptures, this, she was a prostitute. And Jesus turns to Simon because Simon has that thought, man, if Jesus really, if he was really who they say he is, he'd know he wouldn't let her be touching him. And then Jesus turns to the woman and says to Simon, so he's looking at the lady, which is actually right either here or behind him, I'm not sure, somewhere around his feet. It says, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed my feet with, or has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. By the way, this was all customary. This was not out of the ordinary. Everything that Jesus is saying here would have been normal. They wore sandals. They worked walked on dirt roads. So if somebody came in your house and you wanted a clean house, you're going to make them wash their feet when they got in the front door. Like you don't get to go to the living room until you've washed your feet, until you've cleaned yourself. Because by the way, they had animals that walked those same streets. And it was not like today where you get the little baggie and go pick up behind your dog. Like, no, that's all up in the street, right? Sorry. One day I'll write a commentary. Y'all will be welcome to it, but not really. I have no desire to do that. I don't mind reading them. I have no desire to write one. So it says, she's washed my feet with her hair. It says, you didn't greet me with a kiss. It just would have been a, a kiss on the cheek. It says, but from the time I came, came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. It says, you've neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my uh, feet with rare perfume. Other places in the Bible tells that this, this fragrance, this per, per, perfume that she used was worth a year's wages for her. Take your yearly salary. Would you go pour that on the feet of Jesus? And this is the brilliance of Jesus. He says, I tell you her sins. And they are many. Jesus acknowledged who she was. But who she was didn't stop him from saying you can worship me. Somebody needs that word this morning. 
is that Jesus sees your sin and he says, I still love you and I still accept you. And I don't care all the, all the reasons why that you think that you're not good enough or that you can't come to Jesus. Jesus, I tell you, her sins, and though they are many, have been forgiven. And because her sins are many, she has shown much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. See, when our eyes are open to the true condition of our souls and where we are without Jesus, it'll change how we worship. It will. Man, and there's a freedom and there's an experience with God that happens when I worship that that comes no other way. I've been serving the Lord for over 25 years. I read the Bible. I've I've read the Bible cover to cover multiple times. I mean, I, I pray there is something about my worship that is special. And I don't mean worship on the front row. I mean when nobody else is around. I mean at 7 o'clock this morning, I was worshiping before church. Why? Because I, I need that connection with God. And you need that connection with God. And there is something special about when I begin to lift my voice to my Father. And there's a connection that is had that you can have. But you got to get out of here and you got to start out of your spirit. Jesus continues the statement here, and he says, but a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. So our worship has a direct connection to our understanding. And if I realize that I have no way to get to heaven if it wasn't for Jesus hanging on a cross for me, and being beaten for me, and and shedding his blood for me, and going to a tomb that was rightfully mine, that he resurrected so that I could now step into his resurrection life and now live differently, that I'm not just doomed to failure for the rest of my life, that I'm not just doomed to to oppression and depression and and sickness and disease and, and all of these things, is that the Bible tells me that Jesus has paid a price that I could never pay so that I could have everything that he is and everything that he has. See, and when I begin to understand that without him, I'm absolutely disgustingly filthy. I won't give you the scriptural reference, but it's pretty graphic when you understand what it is. It says our righteousness is like a filthy rag. But aren't you glad that God does not leave us there? God says, look, I know that you're not capable, therefore I'm sending a savior. That's why Jesus came, because he knew you can't be what I, what I want for you. You can't be what I gave to Adam and Eve in the garden, but I'm going to send Jesus to get you back into that type of relationship that they had. So many people look at God and they're afraid of him. And yet it says that Adam and Eve would walk with God like somebody walking with a friend in the cool of the day. It wasn't until sin entered the picture that they began to, to cover themselves and hide. And so what happens is, is that we know our sin and our sin forces us away from God. And God is saying, hey, if you'll understand what Jesus has done for you, your sins are forgiven. And they might be a lot, but they're covered. And therefore, I have no reason to run when his presence shows up. Quite the opposite. Look, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And if that's what you, what you hear with me saying all this, I'm telling you, I'm a flawed human being. But I'm a flawed human being who knows that the grace of God is available to me. And I'm going to stand secure in that more than I am my ability to fix me. Because I've tried to fix me. And I can't do it. In all of my effort, it's, it's been amazing to me over the years. That I can fight, I can fight, I can fight, I can fight. And in one moment, God can do more. 
things that I've been just fighting through and fighting through and fighting through and struggling with. And God, uh, would you just take this from me and all these things? And it's, it's, I'm still in control. I'm still holding on Say, I, 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 God, I can do better. I'm so sorry. I'll do better. And he say, hey, just let go. The pain and the shame of the past, just let it go. Like, I'm a big enough God, I can take it. Sometimes we try to handle God with like kid gloves. Like, oh man, if God only knew. He already does. And he still says, I love you. And he still says that Jesus died for you. He knows the worst. There are no more surprises. Like, you're not going to invent a sin and God go like, oh, Jesus, did you see that? That's a new one. Humanity has been depraved from the beginning. It didn't take long from Adam and Eve in perfection for murder to happen. For lying, stealing, all kinds of things happen fast. Why? Because we left to ourselves without the spirit of God are not good. But yet us with the spirit of God is something divine. It's something powerful. It's something majestic. And yet this is what God is calling us to. Last week, I, I won't read these scriptures, but I'm going to mention them. You could go back and read them. But last week, I talked about Galatians 5, 16 and 18. And it compared two natures, our flesh nature and our spirit nature. Every single one of us are a three-part being. You are a spirit. It is the eternal part of you. It's the most real part of you, and yet it's the one that we probably give the least attention to. Because when you die, it's the only thing that continues to live. You have a soul. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your feelings, all these things, your thoughts, that's in your soul. And you have a flesh, which is this body. If you're unaware of your flesh, here's a little test. Take your finger, place it on a table, and take something not too heavy and hit your finger with it. Your flesh is going to start talking real quick. Like that hurts. That's your flesh. The Bible says that this is just dust and it came from dust and to dust it will return. But yet we allow our bodies to control us. So last week we talked about that. Is that your flesh and your your spirit are like in this tug of war and the soul constantly pulling. That's why we do 21 days. We're hitting the reset button saying, hey flesh, you're not in control. I know I wanted that donut yesterday morning, but flesh, no. Dr. Pepper's been talking to me. I don't even put it in the fridge. Like, no, sir. I'm going to remove that temptation. Why? Because I want something better. Look, I have a love-hate relationship with fasting. I'm gonna, I have a real love. I hate it, but I love it. I hate what it does to my flesh. Because I want things. I want certain foods. I, I, I want to go look at certain things. I want to, you know, I want to watch some TV. I, there's things that I've laid aside that, man, it's like, man, it'd be nice just to sit down and kind of veg out right now. And there's parts of it that I hate. But, man, but I loved what it does. And what it does far, far outweighs my hate for it. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought I was in week two most of this week. I really did. I told Darryl like Tuesday, I was like, is this week two? Maybe that was wishful thinking. I really thought it. I'm like, it's day three. <laughs> like it, it can't be day three. It's got to be day 10. 
12, 14, 18. We've been doing this forever. And I'm the one who preached about it on Sunday. And I'm thinking, dang, what is that? It's my flesh. So I want to read you a couple of scriptures here from the book of Ephesians. Now, let me just give you some context real quick. You could have said from Ephesians, letters from the cell. Letters from the block. From the prison cell. So keep that in mind when we're reading this. Because Paul is writing from a prison cell. So let me just preface some, what I'm about to say. Because Paul is telling them to do something that he's currently doing in the prison cell. I don't know if you've ever been in a prison. I have visited. How about that? It's a weird place. It's different. And yet Paul is in a prison writing and he says this. Well, I'm not going to read the scripture yet, but let me give you a couple things. Just some thoughts to think about. Is that everything doesn't have to be right for me to be all right. In other words, Everything doesn't have to, all my ducks don't have to be in a row for me to be okay. My life may not be where I want it to be, but I'm on my way to where God is leading me. Things may not be going well for you, but you can still encourage yourself and encourage others. Paul's encouraging people from a jail cell. He's an inmate. And yet he's encouraging. How in the world does he do that? See, everything doesn't have to be going right for me to just start to praise God. As a matter of fact, when things aren't going right, maybe you need to remind yourself not about the situation, but about the God who is on your side. So you need to lift up your voice and begin to praise God when you don't feel like it. Anybody can win after the whistle's over. I mean, think about Psalms. He will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm going to sit down and eat right in front of them. In other words, the people who came at me and were after me and all had it out for me, God's going to actually watch them or make them watch me be victorious. Every lie that they said about me, God's going to say, hey, come to the table, boys. You don't get to sit down, but you get to watch him. Remember what you said? Yeah, this is what I did. Not what David did. Not what you did. This is what God has done. You may have some scars from your past of things that people have said about you. Yeah, but God sets a table in the presence of that lie. And he'll invite that lie to come and watch you. Say, oh, they said that you would never amount to anything, but they didn't count on me touching you. They didn't count on, my, on you figuring out how to cooperate with my spirit so that you could become more than you ever could have been on your own. They didn't know that you would get saved and that you would believe in Jesus and that it would change your life and it would change the way that you think and it would change the way that you saw yourself. And you would begin to see yourself in light of the cross. And when you did that, things begin to shift in your life. And so today you're successful, not because of what they said about you and not because that was the motivation, but because God said, that's a person that I want to touch and that's a person that I can use and that's a person that I can trust and that's a person that I can bless. And therefore the blessings of God come into our life. That was better than your amen. Let me get back to the scriptures. I have no idea how long I've been going. 
I'm already out of time, but I ain't stopping. I ain't asking for more time. I'm going to keep going. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. The apostle Paul says this. He says, so be careful how. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make every or take make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. If you don't know, we're in evil days. He says, be careful how you live. Not that you live, how you live. He says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Because it will ruin your life. And I've highlighted three words. Instead, actually capitalize one as well. Instead. Don't get drunk with wine. Instead. I believe much of the church has not done the first part of this. And I don't mean just our church. I mean the church at large. I think many people are like, oh, I... No, I don't do these things, but we've neglected the instead. And we wonder why we're dry. And we wonder why we don't sense the presence of God. And we wonder why we feel distance in our relationship with God. Because we followed part A, but we've neglected the B part of the scripture. And it says, instead, be filled. Instead, you got to replace what was with something new. Instead. Don't do, instead, be filled. That word filled means to level up. That's the actual Greek definition of that word. I like that. It's a pretty cool definition. To be filled means to have influence, to give influence. It means to fill to the brim, to thoroughly be permeated with, or to be covered This last word means, which isn't as popular, means to be dominated by. And whether you realize it or not, you need the Holy Spirit to control you. You're like, oh, I don't like that. Look, something's going to control you. Your flesh will, people will, situations will. We're not as in charge as we think. We're always being influenced by things. And they influence us. See, here's the truth is that if we aren't filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll be filled with something else. Why? Because the Bible says that we're vessels and vessels want to be filled. What good is an empty jar? So it's not a question of being filled. It's with what? And we're looking to other things and got other other things that are coming into our life that are looking to fill us up. See, we're, we're constantly looking. I mean, look, I don't have to convince you of this. You're always looking for something. And there's a song, looking for love in all the wrong places. You're looking for something. You're looking for fulfillment. You're looking for purpose. You're looking for meaning. You're looking for, for acceptance. You're looking for something. Well, what is it? All of those things are, are fulfillment issues. And so what happens is, is that if I'm not really fulfilled by God, then I'll begin to pursue that job that I know the Lord doesn't want me to take, but I'm going to take it anyways because it's paying me more money. Because I, I just need more money. I need, I need more stuff. I, I, I need this and I need that. And, and if I got that or, man, I, I know this really in the person that God has for me to be even be dating, much less marrying. But you know what? I don't want to be alone. And, and so I, I'm going to compromise here, even though I know the Holy Spirit saying, hey, red light. Yeah, but, but, but God. 
I don't want to be alone. And I'm not minimizing that. That's a very real thought and a very real feeling. But if you blow through the red light of the Holy Spirit, there could be a collision. And there will be pain and there will be hurt that God never wanted for you. Now, I've got really good news for you. Is that God will heal. Even the red lights that we blow through. And the damage and the fallout from those things. He is so good and he's so gracious. And he says, hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to heal you every time. So you may have messed up in the past. and You may be in a situation right now. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Because again, what? There's blessing on the other side of our obedience. We're constantly looking to be filled. So why not choose the upgrade? I love the psalmist when he writes, is that the blessings of the Lord makes one rich. That word rich doesn't mean money. It actually means satisfied. And he says, and I'll add no sorrow with it. You ever had a hangover? How many, how many honest saints we got in the house? How many people know what a hangover feels like? Y'all lying? In church. The more y'all in here know what I'm talking about. It's like, man, last night sure was fun, but oh my gosh, this headache. Woo! I think I just need to stay in bed today. You ever had that next morning regret? What did I say? What did I do? Where did I go? (laughs) How about you choose the thing that has no sorrow with it? It doesn't have the negative consequences that are associated with it. See, I believe that even as the church, I said this a moment ago, is that I believe that many of us have followed the wisdom of Scripture. We've done the first part there, verse 15, but we haven't done the instead be filled part. And this is part of what I think has happened is that many of us who are churchgoers and love God is that we're sipping saints. And I don't mean of alcohol. I mean, like, oh, man, that worship song, it just hit me. Mm. Woo, Jesus. That was good. And we got our little dose. And we're like, well, that's all I need. <laughs> Got our, 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 our little bit of Jesus today. Mmm, that's good. Jesus is nice. Ooh. Mmm, felt that run up and down my back. So stop sipping and start drinking from the well of salvation. See, we've satisfied for sips when God's saying, hey, I got, I got a lot more. And you've, uh, you just accepted that this is all there was. And so church gets stale and lame. And you're like, bro, I'm going to check out. Why? Because it's just... What's the point? So stop sipping. If you want to get drunk, it don't happen through sips. You have to consume enough. By the way, I will let you know, the Bible does say that you can be drunk in the spirit. And it's amazing. There's not a lot lot of the same characteristics apply. It's amazing. Look, my mom has never had a drink of alcohol in her life, ever. My mom's the most sinless person I know. She was raised in a certain denominational line, hair a certain way. I mean, you don't just, you don't do nothing. And then my dad is the flip of the coin. 
They're like, don't do that. My dad's like, yep, let's go. You know, I mean, that was my, and they got married. But I can tell you, I'm, I'm telling you, never has my mom been drunk in her life from alcohol. But I have walked my mom, and let me say it another way, I have carried my mom to her car and said, Mom, I think I should drive home tonight. You're like, oh, Pastor, that's weird. Have you tried it? Because if you tried this one, you ought to give the other one a shot. I'm just saying, I, look at the little pun there. I didn't even intend for that one. <laughs> I told y'all, I warned you. I was ready to go today. So I want to get practical for a moment. You're like, all right, pastor, sign me up. What do I do next? Like, hey man, this all sounds amazing. I'll give it a go. So I'm going to give you a little bit of the first part, and then I'm going to finish this up next week because there's really two parts. But I'm going to kind of go through this pretty quickly. Is that there's two things that we see in the scriptures And I'm going to touch on one of them this morning. I'm going to touch on the next one next week. And so in the next few minutes, I want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Because it's one thing to just come to church and get blessed and, ooh. I mean, I've made reference many times and I can see people. They're in church and my dad worked in the parking lot. So I'd hear stories from the after church. You know, the after party in the parking lot. People nasty and they cussing at each other. But they was down there on the carpet just like, oh, Jesus. And they cutting people off in the parking lot and they screaming at each other and they acting a fool. Like, what happened to the Jesus inside? Because apparently you lost him on the way to your car. Jesus needs to go home with you today. You shouldn't leave him at the church. So I'm going to break this into two different parts. Is that I believe that the fruit of the Spirit in our life is actually a display of godly characteristics. When we walk in the fruit of the Spirit, it's the evidence of God to the world around us who does not know Him. And we're going to look at these in a moment. Next week, we're going to look at some of the gifts of the Spirit, which, are the, which I believe are godly manifestations. It's God in action. So one of them is God I can see. One of them is God I can experience. And so we're, we, and we need both of these. It's not either or. And I know that there's been whatever goofiness that you want to associate to these things but there's still truth in the word of god for us and so we need to reveal the nature and the character of god because the world wants to see and experience god the problem is is that we've given them a a false church and said this is god and it's not he is a god that can be felt he's a god who can be experienced he's a god who works he's a god who moves in power and in demonstration but the problem is is that we've settled for services Sing our little songs, clap our hands, pray, let's listen to some word, and let's go home. And we've settled for that. But that is not God's desire. He said, I will pour out my spirit on who? He's not just throwing it out there randomly. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on people. See, I believe that when we get the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and they begin to come together equally and there's a tension that we should be striving for, that this is where the practical and the powerful collide. And we've many times have focused on one or the other. And I can give you denominations that I'm like, man, they have a hold of the fruit of the Spirit and their people live it out and they walk it out and you see it, but they really don't it really entertain the idea of really the gifts of the Spirit. And then I see other people that really emphasize on the gifts of the Spirit. And man, and they hang their hat there, but they have neglected the fruit. 
And so it gets crazy. And there's people get hurt. Why? Because, oh, well, we're a powerful church. Yeah, but there's also a presence that needs to be behind that, that changes who we are. That when I walk out of this place, that I am different and I talk different and I see different and I walk different and I act different and I treat people different. Not because of who I am, but because of what God has done on the inside of me. See, we have to be different. Why? Because Jesus calls us to be different. Not to just be some slightly better version of who we were before him because that really denies the power of the cross. The cross has transforming power. That it changes me fundamentally. What's important to me and what I desire and what I seek after. And so, let me, again, I want this to be practical. Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read two verses, verse 22 and 23 from the Amplified Bible. I'm going to kind of stop and share a few thoughts along the way here. But it says, the fruit of the Spirit. I love how the Amplified adds this. The result of His presence within me. In other words, I'm going to have bad fruit if I don't have Him in me. If I don't have Him working actively in me. Like I need the Holy Spirit to get saved. Yeah, that's great. That was 1997 for me. 96. But I need him in 2023. Maybe more than I needed in 96. So I don't want to live on 20 something years ago fruit and say, well, I got it back then. No, I, God, I need you right now. I need you to show up in a real way, in a powerful way. I mean, he told the children of Israel, don't eat yesterday's manna. Why? I'll give you today what you need. My mercies are new every day. So fruit is this. It's the evidence. I love this one. The advantage. God's presence on the inside of every single one of us is the advantage that I need. I want, I want the devil to go stand before God and say, it's unfair. You've given David an advantage that I can't do anything about. And, and God's response will be, look, he just said yes. I didn't give it to him. He just accepted what I'd already given him. I mean, how many of you want the devil to go before God and say, hey, that's unfair. They can't have that much of the Holy Spirit. They can't have that much victory. They can't have that much of your blessing. That's unfair. The Holy Spirit is the advantage over the enemy. It's the advantage over sin. It's the advantage over struggle. Fruit can also be defined as proof or the harvest of the Holy Spirit. So, man, when I learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, things begin to happen in and around me that I may not even be fully aware of, but yet it's the Holy Spirit working on my behalf. God begins to remove desires out of my life. It's like I went to bed one way, but I woke up the next, and then I woke up the next, and it's been a, a few weeks, a few months, and all of a sudden it's like, man, I haven't wanted that for a long time. Well, what happened to that? Oh, the Holy Spirit just took it, took that desire that was waging war against your soul. He just... That pressure and that, that weight of, of depression that's just been pressing and pressing and pressing on you. All of a sudden, in a moment, the power of God comes upon you and that weight just lifts off of you. The Lord did it for me and he will do it for you. The Bible says he's no respecter of person. God has healed my body in a moment. God has freed my mind from depression in a moment. God has shut my mouth in a moment. Sometimes we want to do this spectacular things. And for some of us, 
Shutting my mouth is pretty spectacular. See, when we get under the influence of the spirit of the living God, we are going to act different. We're going to walk different. We're going to talk different. You might even surprise yourself. Now, let me give you the list. And I'm going to give you some, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. And I'm going to give you like a statement or a thought, some things that you might, that might happen to you. The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit's in charge, that I'm going to have love. The Amplified adds unselfish concern for others. So here's what that might sound like. Did I just forgive them? Because I wanted to tell them off in my mind. I, I already had it there and I was ready to tell them what I thought. And the words came out and it is not what was in here. But all of a sudden I said, I, I, I forget. Like, what did I just do? Because everything in me would not let them off the hook. But yet the influence of the Holy Spirit, just like this can have, will cause me to say something that I wouldn't normally say. And all of a sudden where I want to be vengeful and bite back and snap back and clap back. All of a sudden, I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to walk in. I know what you did for me. And I know it's like Joseph in the scriptures, right? He told his brothers who had sold him into slavery. He says, hey, I know that you intended harm for me. What you thought was going to destroy me. God was just positioning me so that he could get the glory out of this moment. And so what you thought was my end was God writing a different story in my life. And he would have never gotten me here to take care of you if you hadn't sent me down that road. And so what you meant to hurt me, now I'm going to tell you thank you for that's the work of the Holy Spirit. You cheated me in that deal, but it's okay because God more than made up for it. And all of a sudden, you're going to start responding to people different. You'll be like, where did that come from? It's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. It's that advantage. It's that power of the Holy Spirit coming up on the inside of you. And you're going to shock yourself. Joy, the fruit of the Spirit. Man, I would have lost my cool before. Man, I know things are bad, but I'm not going to let it get me down. I'm not going down into that hole again. Depression had me once, but nope, no more. I've been set free by the power of Christ in me. He is the hope of glory. And that gives me the ability to look forward with a good expectation that God's got something good for me ahead. And so I choose today that I'm going to have the joy of the Lord. I'm not going to slip back down into the burden and the weight of that. God, you are the source of my life and you are the strength of my life. And so I'm going to look to you. And all of a sudden, you're going to be like, man, I'm a different person. Yeah, because you got under the influence of something. It's not because you did it. It's because the Holy Spirit did it in you. The next one, so you got love, joy, inner peace. Oh, I know I should be troubled, man. The cards are kind of stacked against me, but oh, but God. Oh, God's going to do something. I don't know how he's going to do it yet. I'm not sure what's going to turn. I don't really know all the story yet, but I know that God's going to get glory out of this and I'm going to be thrilled with it. I'm not going to let the enemy steal my peace. It's hard to have joy without peace, by the way. Patience. Everybody's favorite word. The Amplified Bible adds this and it says, not the ability to wait, but how you act while you're waiting. This is what this could sound like. I know I've been waiting, but it'll be worth it. God, I know I'm waiting on my answer, man. I'm at day eight. I've been asking for you to show up, but I'm not going to quit. 
I'm going to see day 21. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep fighting. I don't care if I fall. The Bible says that the righteous may fall, but seven times they're going to get back up. So I got a few more tries to go at the minimal. So I may fall and everybody can look at me and judge me and I don't care about that, but I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep on trying because I've got a helper in the Holy Spirit who's going to come alongside of me and I'm going to be patient as I wait for my promise to show up. And I'm going to praise in my, in my waiting and I'm going to worship in my waiting. Why? Because God is working for me. Well, you can only have that kind of spirit of faith if the Holy Spirit's helping you. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That could also be translated as sweetness. I think the church needs some sweetness about it. And I don't mean to be a doormat, but I think we need some compassion. I think we need to ask the Lord to break our heart for the things that break his. That we're moved by the people that are struggling. That we're moved by the people around us. That we have compassion. Jesus, the Bible says that he was moved with compassion and he would heal. He was moved with compassion and he would feed. He was moved by, with compassion and he would work miracles and signs and wonders. And so the question for me would be, is has the church not seen those kinds of things because we're lacking in compassion? Because we're missing some of our sweetness? Let me say it this way. The Holy Spirit will soften your rough edges. I got plenty of them. Sometimes I need a jackhammer. Sandpaper ain't going to do. Like get the big tools out. And we all have areas of our life that this is true of. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Man, I know they've been ugly to me, but God has been so good to me. I know what they said. I know what they did. But man, God has been good to me. Gentleness. I know they did me wrong, but I'm going to give a grace-filled response. I pray that many times. God, help me. Help me with the words that I say. God, I know what I want to say. Dara jokes, and she's like, man, she's been in meetings with me. And she knows I was kind of ticked off before. And I get in the meeting, and she's like, you stink. Like, you're all ticked off. You're all ready to go. Ready to let them have it. And you get in there and all of a sudden turn into like a little baby Jesus. And you're all full of grace. And you're all full of mercy. Like let them have it. I would, but the Holy Spirit. Because me letting them have it would create more damage than it would. And unfortunately, I've had to learn that my words are a weapon. And I have learned that in the wrong way. And so I have to ask the Holy Spirit... Help me to not take what's here and let it come here. Let it run down and then come back up. Let me run it through my spirit, man. Let the Holy Spirit touch that thought. Let, my, let the Holy Spirit touch that attitude so that when it comes out here, it's not what originated here. I need to run it through the filter of the Holy Spirit. This was a new thing that I, as I was studying this week, and I thought this was so cool. The last one is self-control. Now, we don't like that because we think, oh, that just means my ability to do it. Like, I'm a self-control. As I was studying, I came across this, an alternate phrasing, and I thought it was so cool. And it said it's spirit strength. Self-control means I'm the focus of this moment. But when I say, hey, there's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's patience, there's uh, kindness and goodness, faithfulness. 
and spirit strength for me. It's not self. No, it's the spirit who's working in me. It's the spirit who's doing some things in me. Verse 24 here of Ephesians 5. I'm sorry. Galatians 5, not Ephesians. Galatians 5, he says, and this is how the message, I'm just going to read the very first part. And it says that legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. In other words, me trying to dot every I and cross every T like it ain't enough. It's helpless to bring these things about only by the spirit of God. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the spirit of God. That God wants to do these things in us. I don't have time, but I'm going to give you a scripture. You can read it later. I had more for you, but I've already been preaching an hour. But go read 2 Peter chapter 1. This would be a good time to start writing like you're taking notes. You look like you're being obedient. I ain't even looking at you. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Go all the way to verse 9. Go and read that. I'm just going to give you the highlight real quick. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything that we need to live a godly life. By his divine power. By his divine power, God has given us everything that we need. It goes on, you drop further down, it says that there are, are, he's talking about the promises of God. I'm just kind of hitting the highlights here. It says these are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature. And And by sharing in his divine nature, you escape this world's corruption. See, I get his divine nature and I get to give up all my stuff, all the issues in my life. Why? Because life has overwhelmed death in me. So this morning, I, I want to give really two separate calls. But this first one is, um, I really, and I don't know how else to say this other than just to say it. You know, I used the phrasing earlier about sipping saints. Some of you just been getting a little, just like, a, mm, that's tasty from the Lord. And you've been satisfied to just sip. But you're like, man, I need a drink. I need a touch from God. Like, I, man, I, I need it more than I know. I need the presence of God. So I'm going to say it this way. Is it, I, I, I want to call you this morning. If you're a believer this morning, but you've not really yet or haven't been in a while a receiver. This morning, I want to pray over you. And I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and just stand right where you are right now. Like, don't wait. Don't look, wait for somebody. Else. If you're here and you say, hey, I want that. I want some of what you've been talking about. I need the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I want to pray for you. Because I believe that there are things, I believe there's addictions that can be broken. I believe there's strongholds in our life that we need the presence of God, the power of God to come about in our life. We need God to show up in a real way. See, some of you have the thought right now, well, what would people think? Who cares? See, you need a touch from heaven. Let me ask you another question. When was the last time you had a touch from heaven? Because if it's been a while, you probably should be standing. And I'm not trying to put pressure on you. That's really not my intention or my heart. See, we always make this phrase and, and, and say this, is it, oh, God will meet you in your place of need. And that's not really true. God will meet you in the place of your desire. And it's different. God will only come to a need that I invite him into. He won't come and do what he wants to do. And so I want to pray this morning. Look, I'm not going to call you down here. I'm right where you are. And I don't know what all may be represented by you standing this morning. There may be areas of your life that you know, man, that the enemy has control of this here. This morning, it can change. 
the power of that thing can break. The stronghold of the enemy, it can be broken in your life. And so I'm going to invite and I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and fill you in a fresh new way this morning. That what the enemy has meant to destroy you, God says no more. I mean, the anointing, the presence of God, it literally means the yoke-destroying power of God. God shows up and things begin to break. Some of us, you know, I was talking about earlier, some of us need our pride to be broken. Like, we can't praise and worship. We, we can't really open up to the Lord because, man, our pride is just heavy. It's time. It's time for those things to be broken. And so I want to pray for you this morning.